This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. What's up, podcast people? Welcome to the Moranalytics Podcast. Today is Monday, May 7th, 2018. Typically... For most casual fans anyway, thanks to the Barstool Sports and the dead spins of the world, when you think of the Buffalo Bills, and more specifically, when you think of Bills Mafia, you probably think of people fornicating in the parking lot or dudes drinking shots out of a chick's ass, dizzy bat, or of course, people going through tables, oftentimes while said tables are lit on fire, all kinds of crazy shit. And you know what? All that's true. Obviously, that's all true. As many viral videos out there demonstrate, there's definitely a portion of Buffalo Bills fans that give the Bills Mafia that crazy-ass reputation that it has richly deserved. However, people that actually know better, they know that Bills Mafia stands for so much more than that, that the spirit of Bills Mafia is not about that. It's about so much more. Bill's Mafia, and I'm talking about the actual organized portion of rabid Bill's fans. They root passionately for their team on the field and off the field. They're always doing incredibly selfless, charitable things for people off it. Bill's Mafia represents the vast majority of great Bill's fans in Western New York and all around the world. And I do mean that literally all around the world. The term Bills Mafia has gotten so famous that when the Buffalo Bills sign a player or a guy's drafted or whatever, man, he ain't saying, yo, what's up, Bills Nation? How you doing, Buffalo? Nope. It's always Bills Mafia. So having said all that, I'm dedicating today's episode to educating and telling fans who don't know the story of how the Bills Mafia came about and what it's really all about. To do that, I have on one of the original Bills Mafia founding fathers, Del Reed. Del gives us the history of how the Bills Mafia started, how it began kind of accidentally as sort of an inside joke at first. And he talks about the involvement of three key people indirectly that had a huge role in the term Bills Mafia explosion. Those guys I'm talking about are Adam Schefter, Stevie Johnson, and Nick Barnett. I get Dell's take on the good and the bad that comes with the term Bills Mafia and the moniker that it represents. And I also talked to Dell about starting 26 shirts, a series of campaign t-shirts that directly impact great causes. We talk about how his company has now raised nearly a half million dollars. Half million dollars, people, with that money going towards people who need it. Again, each shirt is a different campaign for a different cause, and it only goes for 14 days at a time. Lastly, of course, we also spent a little time actually talking about the Buffalo Bills and a few other things. So you know what? Without further ado, here's my interview with the leader of Bills Mafia, Del Reed. My guest today, much like many of you listening, is a Buffalo Bills super fan. However, unlike most of you guys and girls, 
He's actually a founding father of the Bills Mafia, one of the most famous fan bases in all of sports now. And he's also the co-founder of 26 Shirts, an organization that helps raise money for people and causes in need. He's kind of become a celebrity of sorts in Western New York around Buffalo Bill circles and things like that. I'm talking, of course, about my man, Del Reed. Del, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? Thanks for inviting me on, man. I appreciate it. Oh, anytime. Glad to have you on. Kind of decompressing a little bit. It's been, you know, such a busy offseason with free agency first and then all the draft talk. Now the draft's finally over about a week, week and a half ago. Feel yourself decompressing a little bit from all the Buffalo Bills drama? Yeah, yeah. The uh, the draft was something else, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> I'm not a, a, a big college football honk. I don't pretend to be. Uh, so I really go based off of, you know, what other people tell me. And I try to watch some YouTube clips here and there. So at least I'm, I sound like I know what I'm talking about a little bit. So, <laughs> right. uh, yeah, the Bills draft, you know, was, I, wasn't what I think a lot of people were expecting or, or hoping for. Um, but... Uh, you know, now that, you know, this quarterback belongs to us, I've really dialed in and I'm, 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 I'm at peace with, with where they landed. Maybe I'm getting ahead of, ahead of the, uh, the conversation here, but that's my immediate <laughs> thoughts on the draft. Yeah, no problem at all. We're going to talk plenty about the draft and, you know, about the Bills roster as it stands right now. We'll get to that in a few. Before that, though, I want to talk about Bills Mafia. Keep this in mind. You know, everyone, not everyone, but most people in Buffalo know all about the Bills Mafia and what it really stands for, the origins of it and things like that. But on this podcast, there's a lot of listeners who aren't quite familiar with the Buffalo scene. So I might be asking you a couple questions here and there that you've heard before. So just do your best to suck it up and give me the same answer that you've probably given a million other people. Okay, cool with you. Not a problem. My, my brain goes on autopilot for this part of the interview normally. <laughs> All right. Well, first, let's start here. How did the name Bill's Mafia come about? My understanding is that it started out as an inside joke among a few of you guys. So you're going to have to explain that, the origins of Bill's Mafia and how it first started. Yeah, that's exactly right. So uh, back in 2010, which is like 100 years ago now, it feels like uh, Stevie Johnson dropped the that would be touchdown pass against the Steelers in overtime and, you know, went on Twitter later that day and pretty much, you know, blamed God for, right. uh, yeah. for, or at, least, or at least like vented in God's direction, uh, you know, about the whole, uh, mishap and, uh, you know, Bill's fans, like they, they normally are, uh, for the most part, uh, circle, you know, circle the wagons around him. If I could borrow that term. And really just tried to, to build him up and, you know, encourage him because just the week prior, he had like three touchdowns against Cincinnati and a yes. big uh, comeback win. So um, so that was basically just a lot of people telling him to, to keep his head up. And we were excited about, you know, what he was bringing to the team and everything overall. And obviously it was retweeted a, a thousand times or however many times uh, it was uh, that night. And you had people, I always use the example that shows the view has all all those uh women talking about it on daytime television right they mm-hmm. talk about all different things going on in the news and everything i always use the example that they talked about this tweet on the view so that kind of shows you just how far reaching this this tweet was of his right um and so right around four o'clock the next day adam Schefter retweeted it uh and, and twitter behaved differently uh, back then than it does now so if somebody retweeted a tweet and then somebody else did, you would just keep seeing it over and over again in your timeline. It's not like now where somebody retweets it, uh, then somebody else retweets it. You don't, you don't keep seeing it over and over again. You just see it once. Yeah. Uh, so it was very obvious to everybody that Adam Schefter had uh, retweeted this tweet, you know, 16, 18 hours later. So uh, a bunch of us just started basically teasing Adam Schefter. And as God is my witness, we were not trolling him. At least I wasn't. I don't think any of us really were trolling him and being nasty and swearing at him or anything like that. Just kind of poking fun at the whole situation. And, you know, my, my Twitter friend uh, was my Twitter friend. Now he's my real friend, Bree, uh, you know, started this hashtag of Schefter breaking news. And we just started teasing him about the whole situation and, you know, tweeting old news stories using that hashtag and <laughs> ended up getting blocked, ended up getting blocked for it. He blocked probably like four or five of us. And so that kind of uh, just began, you know, 
uh, an inside joke that we were the Bills Mafia, which was a, a term I coined, expecting to just have it in one tweet ever, and that was going to be the end of it. And uh, it kind of like took hold. People thought it was funny. Uh, you know, Bree used it a bunch. And then uh, fast forward to the next football season following the lockout, uh, Nick Barnett and Stevie and, and Fred Jackson and a bunch of others took note of the hashtag, uh, Sean Merriman's another one, and started using it. And so we had this, this, this little window of opportunity to actually do something with it instead of just letting it like blow up and fade away. And so, uh, you know, we, we, we took the opportunity to kind of like grab hold of it. And uh, we tried to make sure that we, you know, as Spider-Man always says, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. So right. we tried to make sure that we didn't just use it for, you know, uh, our own purposes, but we wanted it to make it something bigger. And so we ended up uh, selling T-shirts and donating the money to uh, Roswell Park and then other charities to follow in, in the months ahead. And uh, just kind of, you know, try to use our powers for good, like I said. And ended up creating a 501c3 out of it that we basically crowdfunded. And it's really just kind of grown and grown. And now it's, I always tell people it's grown up and left the house. Uh, we have absolutely no control over anything <laughs> um, related to Bill's Mafia at this point, other than the fact that, you know, we call ourselves the originators of it. But, um, you know, now since Barstool and Deadspin and, and other sites have kind of, you know, learned of that term, uh, is gone and expanded into encompassing all Bills fans, uh, most notably the ones who uh, take part in the crazy behavior before uh, home games. Sure. <laughs> First of all, I think it's hilarious that Adam Schefter blocked you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I ended up getting unblocked by him. Uh, you know, uh, some fans kind of rallied on my behalf. I think. Uh, Sean, uh, Sean PBB on Twitter. I think he's the one that actually successfully got a hold of Schefter's uh, attention and managed to get me unblocked. Uh, but I think most of uh, most of us are still blocked by him. You know, all these years later. Now the Bills Mafia has grown in the thousands, maybe actually maybe millions. Let me ask you this: Now you're more or less the spokesperson for Bills Mafia these days, and you mentioned Bree. There's one or two. Who are the other? OGs of this thing that became a movement. I know you're one of them and I know Bree's another. Who else is there? That from the Yeah, there's start? also Yeah, there's also Leslie. She's on Twitter, Leslie N94. The three of us kind of the ones that picked up the ball and ran with it in terms of organizing everything. But there's also um two Ryans, uh and uh it's uh Ryan uh Bills Fan ninety nine on Twitter and uh uh, uh Ryan Ellington. And also, um, there's also my man, Mike, MSZWNY. He's one of them too. So it's, you know, a a, a small group of us, but, you know, Bree and Leslie and I are the ones that really kind of decided to take it and do something with it. Now, when you guys generated the tournament, you know, it slowly started to generate steam. And you mentioned them before when Nick Barnett signed here, that's kind of like when the term exploded, if if my memory is correct. He used that hashtag Bill's Mafia when he signed here. What's your memories of that? Because as far as my recollection anyway, that's kind of the turning point where things really started to go to that next level with the term. Yeah, and it's kind of the turning point when things just started to go next level with Twitter in general. Um, I remember joining Twitter in, it was like June 2008 and looking for other football fans to talk with. I couldn't find anybody. It was just all IT people. <laughs> that's my previous that's my right. previous life. I was in the IT world. But um right around I think it was the, the draft two thousand nine is when it started actually like all of a sudden like people started appearing on Twitter and everything, like football personalities and everything. Um but two thousand eleven is right around when, at least in my opinion, when it really started to expand. And now it's no longer like, oh, these are people on Twitter. Now it's just all people are on Twitter. But um but yeah, that's that's how it happened. It was actually uh, a parody account of Nick Barnett that first used it called Mufasa's Hair, which doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> um, and, but Nick always played along with that with that account. Uh, so um, you know, Mufasa's Hair started using it, and then all of a sudden, like Nick jumped on it as well, and it just yeah, it just really took off. It was crazy. And then Stevie Johnson told told us, "You guys should create a Twitter account just to." I don't even know why he even told us to. I think he told Bree to do it. So we created this Twitter account, and then he tells everybody, 
hey, don't say Bill's Mafia, Bill's Nation, if you're not following this account. And then all of a sudden, like one Sunday morning, my phone, it just starts lighting up like crazy because this Twitter account that we created, that had like 10 followers within a week or two had like a thousand followers, which um, wasn't easy to manage back then. Now, I mean, I think you could probably get up to a thousand probably quickly if you, if you really try, but um, it was crazy. Just like my phone is buzzing and I mean, we're sitting in church, sitting in church next to my wife and she's like, what is your problem? Because my, my, my phone's like, <laughs> like just buzzing nonstop. I've since learned how to better manage notifications, but uh, so yeah, that Twitter account exists because Stevie Johnson told us to create one. Um, so that's a, that's a fun fact that I don't know if everybody knows that, but Stevie Johnson was one of the more popular players during that bills, you know, what became a 17 year drought. He was one of those guys. And I've talked to him a few times, one of the most interactive players that I've ever seen. I mean, this guy for better or worse, because sometimes he would probably say something maybe he shouldn't have said publicly, but he was constantly on Twitter and just interacting with players. I think that he deserves, you know, his little slice of the pie when it comes to what would become such a big deal with Bill's Mafia. Because again, he was a really interactive and socially engaging guy with, with, with you guys and with all fans. Yeah, absolutely. He was one of the first Bill's players to, uh, to really embrace that, that back and forth with fans um, that, he, that he had. And um, I remember when they did the jersey reveal in 2011, it was during the lockout. Stevie Johnson still came to the stadium and was sitting in the stands with fans uh, because he wanted to see the new jerseys. <laughs> I mean, that, I think that really speaks to like how in touch with the culture surrounding the team he was, you know, um, he was a, he was a, he was a special player and, and uh, not to sound corny, but he'll always have a place in, in my heart as a Bills fan, you know, as one of those guys who all time, you know, all time Bill, as far as I'm concerned, I know that some people will hear that and they'll get all angry because, you know, he didn't have a Hall of Fame career, but I think I think most people probably understand where I'm coming from. I agree with you 100%. One of the, definitely one of the team's more all-time popular players, if nothing else. So what started kind of as a joke, an inside joke amongst a couple of you guys, it turns into a hashtag, then it becomes kind of a movement, and ultimately it turns into a charitable cause, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Before that, though, when you mentioned this earlier, and I'm glad because most people, at least those that are, fans and they're, and they're knowledgeable about the Buffalo Bills and the fans. They understand what Bills Mafia truly is. However, you know, with everything that's big in pop culture these days, or actually at any point in history, it always comes with a downside. And in this case, it is that reputation that when many think of Bills Mafia, they think of drunken lunatics who voluntarily get themselves thrown through tables, tables that are often on fire, I know you, that's beyond your control because this thing spread, you know, like wildfire, no pun intended. But how much does it bother you that sometimes the word Bill's Mafia is associated with that type of behavior as opposed to the type of things that you guys really do that are outstanding causes? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, and I'm glad you asked it. In all honesty, like I had really mixed emotions about it when it all first started a couple of years ago. I just didn't know what to think. Um, but, you know, you look at it and, you know, the whole thought process, once this thing started to take off was, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, Bill's Mafia became the de facto name for the fan base? You know, I always thought that. It is. And it kind of it has now. It, it, and so it with is. That, yeah. It, and so with that, you know, comes um, every other fan. Everybody was a Bill's fan. If it truly encompasses everybody, I can't dictate to people how they should spend their time uh, before a, before the a football game, you know, I, I can suggest, Hey, uh, make good choices, be safe guys. Like I tell my kids or whatever, but, um, it's, you know, people can do what they want. So, you know, believe it or not, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me as much anymore. Um, and you'll never, I mean, you'll never see me being thrown through a table partly because I'm 42 and I'm not, a, <laughs> I'm not a Tom Brady 42. I'm like a normal person. 42. Yeah. You're so, not getting up quite as quick as these guys. Yeah, no. So, um, but, you know, to each their own, you know, and uh, while it's something, well, it's behavior I don't typically engage in, uh, especially some of the, especially like the debauchery end of things that we've seen as well, too. But I'm not here to dictate to, t to somebody to tell them how to be a fan. And I'm not going to take my, you know, my Bill's Mafia ball and pick it up and go home with it because 
I don't like the way that, you know, people are using it. So, you know what? I mean, that kind of crazy behavior always existed. It's just now people shout Bill's mafia when they jump off the, <laughs> the, the, the car onto the table, you know, bless their hearts. But, um, so, you know, I, I've really, you know, I've, I've come in, you know, to, I've come to real peace with it and everything. So, I mean, to be clear, like I was never really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Super upset by it, you know, but it was just something that it kind of comes out of nowhere. You're like, wait a minute, that's not, you know, that's not what we've been talking about for the past however many years. Um, so it, it, it all comes together. And I mean, Bill's fans are, you know, we're, we are a special breed and we express our, our, our fandom in a lot of different ways. And some of it has to do with wrestling moves, I guess. <laughs> um, I guess I just feel bad. I mean, that's probably the wrong term to use, but you want to manage people's expectations. When you see people on Twitter say, Oh, I got to get myself to a, to a Bill's mafia tailgate or to a Bill's tailgate. It's like, well, I hope you know which lot to go to, man, because most of the tailgates around the stadium aren't as crazy as you see, you know, on your Twitter feed. I mean, obviously they exist because they're being recorded, but it's not like all encompassing all around the stadium. Right. And I, I think I'm speaking for you here too. I don't want to sound like the fun police here either. Sometimes it's in good fun. I mean, look no further than Bill Cower last year when he kind of, well, he sort of put himself through a table on CBS before the Bills playoff game. People have fun with it too. It's not all extreme and all crazy. So I don't want to sound like a, you know, like this bitter old guy about things that are going on. Most of the time it's in good fun. I think you would agree with that too, for the most part anyway. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, being real, like I don't understand the enjoyment factor people get out of it, but there's probably things that I do that others would not find enjoyable. So, I mean, like I said, to each their own and, um, you know, I'm not here to tell people how to, how to celebrate, you know, their love for the team or, or getting excited before a game. I mean, it's not my, you know, it's not my, um, cup of tea, but it's, it's fine. doesn't mean everything has to be exactly how I want it. Sure. Off the top of your head, what are one or two of your favorite memories of things that have been done on behalf of Bill's mafia? I've read about things like, you know, you guys have raised money for victims of the Boston bombing, uh, worked with Brian Borman's Punt Foundation before. You got one or two specific things that might stand out for you? From the Bills Mafia end of things? Sure. Yeah, I've got, I got a bunch of stories from 26 Shirts, too. But uh, from the Bills Mafia end of things, um, I'll do one one personal and one like overreaching or whatever, you know. So um, personally, it was pretty cool. Back in 2014, I was invited to be part of the uh, draft special that uh, I think it was then Time Warner Cable announced Spectrum. They put on their their cable show, so that was kind of cool. You know what I mean? Like right. that never would have really opened up if not for you know Twitter. Um, so that I mean, that, as a personal thing, that's one of the cooler things I've had the opportunity to, to do since all this thing took off. But I mean, really though, I mean, even like you mentioned the 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 Boston Marathon bombing. I think that was four years ago now, five years ago, four or five years ago. We did a, a, a small sales promotion just through the Bills Mafia thing to benefit those uh, those runners, and we call it 716, support 617. And, uh, you know, as much as I am very transparent about my hatred for Boston sports teams, um, at the end of the day, like, you know, these are, these are, these are all just fellow humans, you know? Absolutely. And to be able to do something like that, to be able to do something to support, you know, people which – which that was such a crazy situation, especially how it played out, like, you know, in, in the hours and days following as they were tracking that guy and everything. Yeah, um, we've just passed it, but it's been about five years, right around five years now, a little more than Yeah, that. I knew it was 13 or 14. So, yep. um, but yeah, so that, that was cool. I mean, like in the tailgates that we've, you know, that uh, Hammer's Lot has in the past uh, graciously uh, hosted for us and everything. Um, those are a lot of fun. We've had the opportunity to, to raise money for, some worthy causes like you mentioned punt foundation and, and Roswell park. And we even, uh, we've done stuff for Eric Woods, uh, his foundation or now it's in the fund through Ch children's hospital. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just really, for me, it's always been about like, how can we take this energy that bills fans have? And, you know, because it really is energy, right? <laughs> so how do sure. you take this energy and what can you power with it? You know? So, you know, we always took the, the perspective, like, let's, all right, let's do some good in the community. Let's, or, you know, let's, let's see what we can do to, to help others. And uh, that way um, it's never about us. Cause I don't, I'm not really, 
as much attention as I get through the media these days, like I'm not, that's not what I'm in it for. I'm not all about that. I don't like making things about me. Um, and so when this whole thing blew up, the idea was let's make this about fellow fans. Let's create something instead of just like, you know, just suck from our fellow fans and do things for ourselves. Let's create something that everybody can share. You, you just mentioned it. It's not for you. It's not what you set out to do, but the fact remains you kind of become a little bit of a local celebrity in Western New York over all this. You ever feel that way? <laughs> when people say that, I, I, I don't know. It's weird. I, I, I always counter with, well, if I'm a celebrity, I'm a Z list celebrity, you know, <laughs> but um, it is, you know, it is kind of weird. Like now and then, like my wife just roll, you could hear her eyes roll when it happens. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I've known this guy. Like, he's not a big deal. Trust me. <laughs> but, um, you know, like I've been at the mall. Sometimes when people want to get a picture or something, I, I don't know. It's weird, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's like I said, I've tried to use it for good. You know, I can't control how, you know, how people are going to react to certain things. So any attention I have, I try to turn it around and use it for something positive. One last thing with Bill's mafia, then I'll get off that. Janine Talley, wife of Buffalo Bills great Daryl Talley, wrote a story in the Buffalo News and it was in 2016. And she had a quote here and I loved it. I'm going to read it to you. And you tell me if it's spot on. She describes Bills Mafia as the following. She said, the Bills Mafia is a series of accidental events. They were mindful enough to seize and turn into a charitable endeavor they'd like to see grow. Simply put, the Bills Mafia is an occurrence of serendipity. Think that's pretty spot on? I do. Yeah, yeah, it is actually. And I've actually thought of in the past of actually getting that, that one quote like framed and put up in the, in my office or something like that. You know, I just thought she captured it really well. And I remember that exact statement. Um, what a nice lady she is too. That was really thoughtful. Oh, she's awesome. Interview us, you know, that was really cool. Let's talk about 26 shirts for a minute here. 26, if you don't know, 26 shirts, it's a social good project that you co-started that helps families and charitable foundations in need. The way it works generally anyway is a shirt will go on sale for a period of 14 days. And when the shirt is sold, around $8 from every shirt goes to the person that shirt's campaign is for. What was the inspiration for this venture? Is there any one specific thing that led you to wanting to do this? Yeah, I've been kicking. I mean, I'm a t-shirt honk, you know, uh, just by nature. I've always, you know, for years, as soon as I realized that there are websites to put out a different t-shirt every day, like I've been all about it. Um, and well, like, obviously I can't afford to buy a different shirt every day. And, uh, you know, uh, but it's, uh, it's something I've always enjoyed, you know, that, that fresh take on things like every day, there's something different that somebody's trying to, you know, uh, express. So I've always thought about how I could do something that would be, you know, married with, you know, what I love. And so, um, I'd always had this really loose idea of doing something bills related or, or Buffalo sports related, you know, um, and, you know, it was just something that was kicking around that I was never really going to have the time or energy to do. Uh, and then this guy named Scott Lunn reached out to me in October 2013. And um, at that point, like we had been doing, like like you mentioned now, and now I remember the timeline exactly. Yeah, the Boston Marathon was in 2013. So because we had, we had done the, the cell phone cases that would support the, the Boston Marathon, mm-hmm. uh, Red, you know, Boston Red Cross and stuff. And we had done a couple other things and uh, the whole le- the, the legend of Kiko Alonso thing. That was a joke that I started that took off. And so we, we did t-shirts about that. Um, and it was kind of fun just to watch the sales come in, you know, and just check the numbers and see how they, they would go up. You're like, Holy crap, people are buying shirts. Um, and uh, so I had this idea of like, maybe we could do that more. And then, so when Scott reached out to me, you know, he asked me, Hey, I'm doing a raffle of this, uh, autographed Mario Williams jersey that I won from Summer Sanders. Um, Summer Sanders is still a big deal. You know, Bill's fan. Sure, Olympian. big time. Um, Mario Williams, maybe not so much anymore. Nah. <laughs> 2013 I... is a big deal, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, so of course, the natural question is, dude, this is pretty amazing. Like, why would you want to get rid of this? So he goes on to tell me how he won it. Uh, he won it from her in like some online, you know, contests or whatever. And uh, he was selling it because his daughter had this condition called retinoblastoma, which is basically eye cancer. Mm-hmm. His daughter was two years old at the time. And so um, I'm in my car about to you know, go into work for the day. I'm in the parking lot, just reading this really quick. 
and I'm tearing up reading this guy's story about his daughter. Like they, you know, they're from the, the Western New York area. They now live in North Carolina. Um, they're going to Sloan Kettering, you know, it was like every couple months or whatever to get some kind of treatment. And, uh, so, you know, I'm reading this like, Oh my gosh. I'm like, yeah, dude, no problem. I'm happy to retweet your <laughs> raffle. You know, that's, that's yeah. the least I can do. Cause I'm always a little wary in ter- wary in terms of what I retweet from people from, from that account, because we don't really use it to, to make money or stuff. So we're not going to just, we're not going to have somebody else do it, you know? Right. So, um, so anyways, so I, you know, said, not only will I retweet it, but next time I sell a special shirt, you know, I'll make sure I, I give you guys, I'll give you the money. And so that night I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm talking with some, some buddies. Uh, it's actually a Monday night Bible study. I go to with some friends and, uh, we're talking about it and everything. I'm explaining the idea. I was like, I think I could do a shirt every week. And so they talked me off that ledge. You're like, dude, you'll kill yourself. You know, 52 designs a year. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, all right, but maybe two weeks, but I want these to be relevant. So I can't, I can't do it like monthly. It has to be more than that. So I said, I think I do it every two weeks. And then, so my friend Jake looks at me and says, dude, that's like 26 shirts. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but I think I could do it. And so the next morning I woke up and it was like staring me in the face, 26 shirts. So, it's such a weird, such a weird name. So I, the next morning I, I registered the, the, the Twitter account and the domain and the Facebook page and all that jazz. Um, and it was originally going to be something that was under the umbrella of the Bills Mafia um, 501c3. Uh, but very quickly, my lawyer told me, like, you can't do that. You can't deal with that much merchandise and still be a nonprofit. So I had already announced it on Twitter. Like I call it my Jerry Maguire moment. You know, I put this thing out there. Now, now I'm accountable for it. So, um, so I had to like the news call me and everything. They want to do a, 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 you know, interview me about it and everything. And so during that week, uh, a local guy uh, named Dan Giganti, who owned a a local boutique t-shirt business called you and who uh, reached out to me and said, who's printing those shirts. Uh, And I'd only met Dan like once before. And uh, I said, I don't really know yet. I haven't got that far. <laughs> so I was thinking it would be like Teespring or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he says, can we print them? I'm like, absolutely. So, you know, the fact that a Buffalo t-shirt company was going to be a part of this for me was huge. So um, so I managed to take it out from under the, the Bills Mafia umbrella as I had thought it was going to be. And now it was its own separate thing uh, partnered with this local company. to, to And they were handling all the uh donations all the e-commerce basically everything all i had to do was come up with beneficiaries and shirt designs and they were handling the rest of it um and that's kind of it just took off dude it was uh not something that i thought well maybe i can as long as i can get through a year you know it's a a year-long commitment if i can get through a year then great you know then i'll be done and you know whatever this is a cool like project i want to do to give back and at the end of that first year i mean we'd already decided well beforehand but like holy crap, this thing was ready to go into high gear. Yeah. So um, it just took off. I mean, we had, we actually had players that had reached out and asked that we do shirts for them. Was, that's one of those things where you don't think about it. You're like, yes, absolutely. We'll do a shirt with you. You know? <laughs> so, um, so that was, it was just crazy. So, uh, you know, it's taken off. And then in 2015, as volume two was in its uh, like last stage, I ended up getting laid off from Roswell due to, you know, um, some reorganization on the org chart, middle management, which is what I was, is always the first ones to go. So right. um, I got laid off, but it was so perfectly timed because at that point, the, the 26 shirts endeavor was enough to, for me to do it full time. And so I literally drove down main street from the Buffalo Niagara medical campus to the tri-main building where the you and who office was. And I said, okay, I guess this is it now. And you know, worked out some things on, 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 on my end, basically um, having some conversations with my wife saying, I promise, I'm pretty sure this is going to work. Give me, you know, so we decided we were going to try it for, for a year, you know, if, and after a year, still going well, then, you know, then that's what we'll do. Well, we didn't have to because less than a year in, we were able to, or a little, actually a little over half of the year in, um, we, were, we actually hired somebody. So we hired a full-time employee because we needed more help. Right. And it's just really continued to grow and grow and uh now we have a chicago line we have a pittsburgh line we even have a pop culture line of just like different movies and and, and stuff like that uh that have nothing to do with sports and uh it's just really grown and it's uh it's still a baby you know i still have to 
you know, I tell everybody this is like having a, a uh, an infant that just won't grow up. <laughs> so it, it requires constant feeding, constant care. Um, you can't go on vacation without thinking about who's going to take care of the baby while you're gone, all that stuff. Um, but it's been great, you know. And uh, when I when I got laid off, uh, Dan brought me on as a 50% owner in the company, and uh, now I handle about 95% of all the operations. Dan owns another business as well too, so that takes up a lot of his time. Um, but we, we own it 50, 50 and, um, it's the best experience I've ever had. I was going to say, listen, at last check for everyone out there listening, if you think th- this t-shirt thing, just a small deal, it's not right. As we're taping this interview, I looked, you guys have raised nearly a half million dollars for people, $492,000. You guys are at right now. That's ridiculous. That that's an amazing accomplishment. Yeah, thank you. I, I can't take too much credit for it, though, because, you know, while I'm able to recruit designers and put them on the website and and, and all that, uh, I don't buy the shirts, <laughs> you know, like the money's that's not really aside from the shirts that I buy for myself, you know, onesies, twosies. Right. Um, that's not my money that's been donated. So I'm very quick to deflect when people congratulate me and say it's not me. It's all these you know, fellow sports fans that believe in the idea and believe in the concept. Um, you know, we have people that, that religiously buy, we have, a, you know, a, a several people um, off the top of my head that I can think of that they buy every shirt or at least in, in, in some buy almost every shirt. And uh, some of them, they help sponsor giveaways that we do. And some of them just buy the shirts and they'll give them to their grandkids or their, mm-hmm. their husband or their wife or, themselves they're able to wear a different shirt every day you know uh, so i'm super grateful to everybody that believes in it all the companies the local businesses that sponsor the shirts like it's all because of them you know like i i, I guess i created the engine but i'm not I, I can't create the gas and they're the ones that really keep it running i agree you know a thing like 26 shirts it really embodies the passion of of good sports fans out there buffalo of course but not just buffalo People are willing to spend their money, put their money where their mouth is to help someone like that. So sure, they deserve the bulk of their credit. But the same token, you do got to get your slice of that credit too, because you've provided this platform to help people. So there's a lot to be commended for that. Now you guys are in Chicago and Pittsburgh too now. Are you good with that? Or do you think that you might be in uh, more cities down the road? I think we're good with that right now. I mean, we're still, I mean, we've been in Chicago now um, almost four years, a little over three years. And, um, we're still, I mean, we're still working on building that out. You know, I don't have, uh, a Bill's mafia Twitter account that I can very quickly promote the idea, um, to, to Chicago sports fans and, and, and Pittsburgh sports fans. Right. So, um, it requires, it's, a, it's coming at it from a whole different angle. It's a whole different, it's almost a different business to be honest with you in terms of how we're able to promote, or how we attempt to promote um, and market these other lines, because with you know, obviously Buffalo is home. Right. Buffalo is about very Buffalo good. Is about point. ninety. Yeah, Buffalo is ninety percent of our our sales. You know, and local news here, people will tell me like, oh, I saw the, you know, the the, the Pancho Villa shirt, or I saw the you know the uh, the Allenstown shirt that you're doing on on WGRZ or on what you know whatever WKBW, and I'm like. Oh, cool. They talked about it. Like, I don't even know, you know? Um, so they're, you know, that because they understand why we exist, um, and because they know people are interested in the shirts, they're very, more than happy to talk about it on the air. Um, we don't have that level of, um, saturation in Chicago or Pittsburgh. Yeah. That's a far. very good, that's a very good point. And, you know, you have your popularity primarily in Buffalo, the Bills Mafia Twitter handle, you know, that's primarily in Buffalo. Like I've mentioned before, you maybe you don't like it, but you are kind of like a you're a local celebrity. You're a thing in Buffalo, so you know if you want to call a radio station and you got something to go on for, chances are they're going to accommodate you. That's a very good point. I didn't think of one last thing with the business thing before we wrap that up. What advice would you offer aspiring entrepreneurs out there right now? Oh my gosh, don't waste your life. Um, I'm I'm, glad, I'm so glad you asked me that. I, I didn't, you know, um, I am a big believer in in you know, that your vocation should be what you want to do, not what makes the most money. Um, I, yeah. I you know, and 
previous life, you know, I made a lot more money doing what I do, um, or doing what I did than what I do now. Uh, but I wouldn't trade where I am now for anything, anything. I mean, I, you know, you know, it's been tough as an entrepreneur. It's been tough. You know, you have to cut back on certain things. You have to decide what's really important. What do I want to spend my discretionary income on? Um, but, uh, I sleep better than I've ever slept. Actually, that's not true. I barely sleep at all because I'm always talking about the business. But, <laughs> but it's not because of stress. Right. It's because I just, I, I'm reasons. in love. Yeah, I'm in love with the baby I was talking about before. I'm in love with that infant. Um, and, and, and so I would not change anything. I would not trade this for the world. Um, being able to do what I want to do, uh, being able to spend my time how I want to spend it, um, yeah, being able to call the shots. You know what I mean? So um, it's so worth People so often they uh, they look at what they're they you know they want to do based on and they compare it to what makes the most money and they 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 let the second one be what they choose and I think that that's sad because often you do that and then you find yourself seven eight nine ten years in and you're like holy crap my job sucks my career sucks yeah I'm not really enabled to do anything else mm -hmm. uh, I'm so invested in this job so that's my number one piece of advice is do what you love and figure out how much, you know, you're able to make from it and, and, and build your life out accordingly. You know, you may not be able to have a, you know, a, a mansion uh, or a, a big house or a lot of land or whatever. You may end up living in a, you know, in a smaller suburb or a or smaller section of the city or whatever, or an apartment even, but you're doing what you were built to do. And that is worth more than gold, in my opinion. That's awesome advice. Let's talk real quick about your favorite team, the team you grew up watching, the Buffalo Bills. And we're going to skip the draft because that's already been talked about way too much over this last week, week and a half or so. Here's what I wanted to ask you. 17 years of frustration for you. And let me preface this. Hold on. Let me backtrack here. When the Bills made the playoffs last year, besides myself and my family, of course, guys like you are the first people that I thought of. Because I know how much football and the Buffalo Bills mean to you. So 17 years for you of frustration came to an end last year. Where were you watching the Miami finale? And then subsequently the, the end of the Cincinnati-Baltimore game. And what was that feeling for you immediately after? Who were you with? And how did you feel after that immediately after? Um, okay. Full transparency. Um, okay, well, first of all, I was at my, my friend Brett's house. It was because it was New Year's Eve. Right. And so we're all getting together on New Year's Eve. There's, you know, three or four couples and our kids and everything. Um, and it was, you know, it was elation. It was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, I have to get the shirt up right now. Cause we had a shirt that we were selling. <laughs> so I told my wife, like, <laughs> we can, we can go to, we can go to Brett's house, but I got to bring my laptop. That's the rule. I won't be on the computer. I won't be on the phone all night. I promise, but I've got to get, so immediately I, I ran to the laptop and I, you know, I published a shirt, um, that we had scheduled, um, but it was so it was very stressful in that respect. But oh my gosh, I, I I've watched that Tyler Boyd that that Andy Dalton to Tyler Boyd touchdown probably 150 200 times in my life now. Um, especially with the Titanic theme song, I never understood those uh, Titanic themes. That's awesome. Those Titanic themes, I never understood why those were so like why people kept doing me neither. Them. And then when it's your team, you're like, oh now I get it, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, so it was, it was crazy, you know, it was, it was nuts. And uh, even my kids were screaming up and down because literally their entire lives, the bills had never made the postseason. Yeah. Um, you know, my daughter's 14, you know, she has, she's cognizant. She is, she's not like a little kid. Like she has memories that exist that she'll have her whole life right. that precede, that precede the bills playing in a playoff game. Yeah. I got a so, 15 year old. Yep. Yeah, totally. So um, yeah, it was, it was, it was great to see it. Uh, to see, to see them. And it was, I know, you know, not for anything, but I know it was cool for them to see their parents and all their parents friends freaking out too. Um, so that, that was, uh, that was, that was, it was pretty great. That's a, a, a memory I'll, I'll treasure forever, you know, as will every Bills fan. And I remember two things, just get in the playoffs. I don't care if you lose 50 to nothing next week, just get in the playoffs. And then the game comes around you know, against Jacksonville, like, oh, they better win this game. Right. <laughs> so, it's funny how, how quickly it changes. 
Yeah, we, we didn't want to settle for long. We settled for a week. They were like, all right, well, we can win. That just reminded me of something, too, real quick. Because I mentioned Cincinnati, and of course, and you mentioned Andy Dalton, all the wonderful stuff that Bill's fan did for him after, and the receiver, too. That just reminded me, you were on ESPN during that Andy Dalton feature. How did that come about? Did they approach you? Like I said, dude, you call you don't want to call yourself a celebrity. Tough shit. You're on ESPN. You're a, cel- you're a, you're a celebrity, dude. How did that come about? <laughs> Uh, Michelle Steele actually, uh, texted me out of nowhere and she had gotten my number, um, I think from Mike Rodak. I know everybody hates him. He's actually a cool guy. But he's not bad at all. He's a really cool guy. Um, I hate to break that to everyone, (laughs) but, um, I'm pretty sure it was from him that she got my number and she said, Hey, we're doing this piece and you know, we want to actually, uh, involve you in it with, with Andy Dalton and everything. And, um, it, it, that was crazy. And it's funny, like I've met like a bunch of players at this point and not to sound cocky or whatever, but it's not really a big deal anymore, especially when you're in your forties. Like these guys are all like, they're, you know, they're, they're young. It's hard to get really nervous around somebody who's like 22, you know, yeah. no matter what, no matter what they do for their, for a living, you know? Right. Um, they're just, and besides at the end of the day, you learn that, that people are just people and they put their pants on one leg at a time, just like everybody else. But, um, but anyways, but <laughs> so I've, I've kind of like gotten through that at this point, but uh, I don't know what, what happened. I was so nervous before we did this, uh, this uh, Skype with, with Eddie Dolan. Maybe it was because it was like a new medium and right. I had never Something had it done, before. done anything like this. Yeah. Um, it was really cool though. Um, that was, that's one of those moments, I guess you could say in terms of Bill's mafia and what do you remember? And that was, that was really cool. And uh I was, it was awesome. I've, I've come, I've come close a couple of times. I know some fans have already pulled the trigger and actually getting like a Dalton Jersey, a Bill Dalton Jersey. I thought that would be kind of funny. Um, but, uh, it was just, it was really cool, uh, for them to do that. And it was, uh, not to sound corny, but it was an honor. They thought of me and everything. Uh, I did my best in the interview to make sure they knew that I was not the one that came up with the idea to donate to his foundation. I never like to take credit for anything that uh, right. I come up with, you know, it was, uh, this guy, uh, this guy, Kevin, he's on Twitter at Kev Boats, B-O-A-T-S, K-E-V-B-O-A-T-S. Um, it was his idea to do it. And, uh, it was great. It was awesome. And, uh, and then a couple of days later, we, you know, fans immediately jumped on board and, you know, did the same for the receiver as well, too. So it was incredible. Uh, yeah. That was, it was cool, though, man. It was cool to, uh, to, to be able to be a part of that, you know, had all the family members, like even family members you never talked to text you, like, I just saw you on ESPN. So that was kind of cool. It's a proud, it's a proud thing as a Bills fan, especially Buffalo Bills fans who don't live in Buffalo anymore. I moved to Florida about a year and a half, two years ago, and I had friends come up to me. My son plays high school football. You know, they know we're Buffalo guys. I always got Bills stuff on. They're like, oh my God, that thing with Andy Dalton, you know, that was awesome. So it does. It's those kind of things that fans do that really, you know, make you stick your chest out a little bit when you have that Buffalo Bills, Bills gear on, when you live in Florida or Texas or California or wherever it is. One last Bills thing, then we'll then we'll wrap this up here. I know you're pressed for time. I've kept you longer than I should have. Let's skip Josh Allen, okay? I don't want to talk about him. Again, he's going to be talked about so much. And if the Bills are any good this year, if A.J. McCarron's any good, you might not see Josh Allen even on the field as a rookie. How are you feeling about this team going into the season now that the draft is over? Well, I feel better about this team now than I did before the draft. Speaking of the defense, especially, I think sure. the defense is um, in, I don't want to say great shape because there's a lot of unknown factors there. Uh, but I don't feel like there's anything I can really complain about with the defense. Obviously the back end uh, is in great shape. And you look at Vontae Davis, as long as he can stay healthy. Um, I think that the, the, the whole secondary is, is going to do well. Um, or at least, at least they should, right? Based on yeah. what we've seen in the past. They did great this year, this past year, and now basically you're just swapping out gains for um, for for Davis. So uh, that's good. Uh, in the, the middle linebackers, I love the Tremaine Edmonds pick. Me too. Uh, as does anybody who even knows anything. They, everybody loves that pick. Um, he's 19. That's crazy. Yeah, that's great. He's probably not even done growing yet, and I don't mean that to be funny. Like he probably he's probably not even like fully grown into his body at this point. Um, so I think that he's only going to get stronger, and it's just it's awesome. So I love that pick. Um, I'm pretty happy with the linebacking core in general is, you know, um, 
they're going to have some tough decisions, I think, after this year to figure out what they're going to do with, mm-hmm. with the linebackers. But um, going into the season, I'm not too concerned about it. And the defensive line, um, uh, I, I loved uh, Harrison Phillips, the, the the kid they just drafted. Yeah, he's going to uh, play. Keep him, yeah, they keep calling him Kyle Williams 2.0. I don't <laughs> think that's no. – I think it's cool, but I think it's kind of – I don't think it's kind of fair to him. Like, I'm anxious to let him be his own person. Right. And, and let's see where he comes up with – what he comes up with. But, um, I, you know, I'm excited to see it. I, you know, I think that – Jerry Hughes still has some gas in the tank. A lot of people were quick to want to trade him. I saw on Twitter, at least. I mean, you can find anything on Twitter if you look for it, but sure. um, seemed like a lot of people thought that he would be traded over draft weekend. And I'm glad he wasn't. Um, so I love I love the defense as much as you can. Like I, I'm not down on it. I guess the best way to put it. Right. So in terms of the offense, that's where it's going to be. That's where it gets a little more interesting. The offensive line, it's almost a, a brand new offensive line this year. Uh, and everybody knows that offensive lines have to gel and they have to communicate and they have to be comfortable working with each other. And this line that, that the Bills have had for the most part has been intact, um, at least four fifths of it, you know, for several years. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I do like that Deion Dawkins is, is on the left. That's great. That's the most important position um, in terms of the passing game. And I, I was not unhappy. I don't think anybody was with, with his performance in, in 2017. Right. Obviously, uh, running back, you know, uh, everybody's assuming that Shady's still got a couple years in him. I think he does at least, at least one more year. I think it's a, it's a case by a year by year basis now at this point, only because of his age. Right. Um, and contract. he's not shown any signs of dropping off right. at it at all, but you just, you know, that when that happens, it happens like almost overnight. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but I'm glad he's still part of the team. He's going to be the offense again this year, I'm sure. Yeah. And, uh, quarterback, obviously nobody knows what's going on there. I expect McCarron to, to start. Um, and like you said, if he plays well, play the entire season, there's no reason to rush, um, Josh Allen in at this point, let McCarron play. I mean, Josh apparently has mechanics issues that he's aware of to his credit that he needs to work on. So let him do that. Get him a full year, um, on the bench. Uh, or here's the way, the way that things work with the bills, you know, he's going to be starting by week two because there's gonna be injuries or something <laughs> else. <You> just, <laughs> that's just the bills way of life. But, um, Basically, you know, what was supposed to happen with EJ Manuel, you know, he was supposed to be in the, in the film room under Kevin Cobb and uh, just kind of learning the game, but instead he got thrust into the spotlight. So hopefully that doesn't happen with Allen. Um, I think the Bills have too much riding on, on him at this point to, to um, be careless with that. Receivers, obviously everybody knows the story of receiver. Um, there really isn't much of a story. So uh, you have Kelvin Benjamin, who's entering uh, his final year of his contract. Uh, you have Zay Jones, who uh, played through an injury last year, um, but has also had a very interesting off season. Yes. And from there on, from you know, from there on out, it's just like, usually, yeah, I had, it was a Curly. They just signed Curly, um, but I'm not at the point. I'm not at the point in my fandom where I'm. I can say, oh, we're good. We have uh, Benjamin and Curly, and we should be okay. I, I can't. I'm concerned about the wide receiver core. So they're going to have a lot to prove and. I'd love for them to bring, uh, I'll just say it. I would love for them to bring Des Bryant in. Um, I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's even a fit really, but um, it'd be cool to, to get, I would love for them to bring in proven NFL talent. I guess is what I should say, you know, not, I'm not a Des Bryant stand, but um, I would love for them to be able to bring somebody in who has a solid resume that I can exhale a little bit in terms of the ability to perform. Having said that, we know that Bryant the past several years has, gone further and further down in terms of statistics but um i think he's definitely fired up to to perform well this year yeah and i don't think the bills are done adding yet especially on offense all right listen every guest i have i end with the same thing it's little mini lightning round what i'm going to do is ask you a question about four or five questions just give me a quick uh first answer that pops in your head all right sounds good all right man saying a buffalo guy would be too easy so let me put it this way not counting a buffalo guy Who's your favorite athlete ever? Oh, wow. Who's my favorite athlete ever? Um, probably Randall Cunningham. What's your favorite? Go ahead. That guy was uh, lightning round. Sorry, I'll shut up. Okay. No, man. Yeah, <laughs> yo, hey, Dell, dude, if you got something to add, add it. No, man, it's good. Yeah, Randall Cunningham was a phenom. I mean, he was so ahead of, the, oh, so ahead of his time. What's your favorite non-sports thing to do with your free time? Uh, my favorite non-sports thing to do that would probably be uh, hanging out with my kids, you know, um, just, you know, we, they're at the point now where 
they're 14 and 12 and they're able to do pretty much anything. So, uh, you know, we, I, I just like hang, hanging out with them. I spent the past two months watching through every single Marvel cinematic universe, uh, movie to get us up to infinity war. <laughs> so, uh, am I. so, so, <laughs> so uh, we have Thor Ragnarok left and then we're done and we can go see infinity war. I got guards of the galaxy one and two. I'm told that I need to watch them. So those oh, are my those, last those are great. Yeah, I'm looking, oh, those are great. I, I'm looking forward to getting the time to catch up with that. What's probably the most played song on your iPod or whatever music player it is that you use in your rotation? What's what, what song do you like playing the most? Oh, that's a good question. Um, probably Smith's or Morrissey. Um, you know, I graduated from uh, high school in 1993. So that's really in my wheelhouse that, 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 you know, um, that, that time. So, uh, Smith's Morrissey and I love, uh, I love so much stuff in terms of music, but that's, kind of where i go back to i I, I like some uh arcade fire here and there too but those are probably my it's my favorite second last question if twitter made a new rule that said you were allowed to follow just one person and one person only on your twitter who would it be and why wow do i have to say uh pat moran did i get in trouble you don't have to say (laughs) (laughs) Um, well okay let's go let's go with knee jerk right okay um I can only follow one person. Oh my gosh. Uh, first person that came to mind was, was, was Sal Capaccio. Uh, so if it, if it's going to be sports, it would, it would be, it would probably be Sal. Uh, you know, I can think of probably other people given the time, but going with knee jerk reaction, Sal's the man. I, I love the balanced takes that he always has on everything. Um, and he knows what he's talking about. So right. Sal, you, you're my one and only Sal. <laughs> Listen, I love Sal. I don't know if you know this or not, but this podcast, I think this is like episode 17, 18, something like that. I've lost track. Sal was my first ever guest. When I when I came up with the concept of doing this podcast, him, Tim Graham, and Tyler Dunn were the three guys. I said, you know what? I want to get these guys on early. They will have good conversations with me, you know, and help establish the podcast and a little bit of credibility. Sal, to his credit, he was the first guy I ever had on the show. Love that dude. So I'm sure he'll be happy to hear that. Yeah, he's he's the man. I love him. Last question here, okay? You have three dinner guests, dead or alive. Who you got? Three dinner guests, dead or alive. Dead or alive through any course of time. Man, that, okay, uh, that's really uh, Martin Luther King Jr. I would love to talk to him. Uh, if it has to be over dinner, then that's fine. Um, uh, who else am I going to have? Jeez. Uh, you're going to have to edit this out because I'm going to have a lot of pauses here, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but you won't be the first one. I had Benjamin Albright on. It took him forever. Ditto for Richard Deitch as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'd i go with uh, definitely uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Um, Jim Thorpe, if it can be Jim Thorpe, who is aware of how football is now. I don't want to get like the, the time period stuck there. I'd love to be able to sure. talk to Jim Thorpe. You know, one of the first professional football players ever. I'd love to get his perspective on the game now based on, he'd probably just be pissed off the whole time, but he's <laughs> 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 you know, like what these guys make now. Um, so, okay, Jim Thorpe and uh, I, somebody, I'm going to forget something here and somebody's going to hear and say, how did you not name this person? <laughs> but um, let's see. I'll go with Abraham Lincoln. That keeps coming back in my mind. Why not? All right, ladies and gentlemen, Del Reed, Bill's Mafia, 26 shirts. Del, I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And I want to say real quick, I don't think I've ever mentioned this to you, but like, just so you know, like back in 2010, you know, uh, early 2011, like Buffalo Sports Daily was like a real inspiration to me in terms of how someone could take something um, that they love, sports related, and actually do something with it and create their own audience and create their own channel um and i think i first discovered you on the 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 bills message boards back in the day i never i never uh posted on there i always just read stuff but um so i just wanted to just let you know that buffalo sports daily back in the day was a big inspiration big encouragement to me in terms of what um what somebody could actually do with the whole internet medium in you know having a voice thanks del man that means a lot to me it does it really means a lot Thanks for coming yeah, on. The truth. I'm going to have you back on again sometime during training camp season. How about that? Anytime, dude. Anytime. All right. Have a good one. Hey, be well. Okay. That'll wrap up this episode. 
big thank you to Del Reed, co-founder of the Bills Mafia and co-founder of 26 Shirts for coming on and doing the show. It was a lot of fun going through the history and giving everyone a little bit of a history lesson on exactly how the Bills Mafia became a thing, how it got started, and where it's grown to. And of course, his 26-shirt venture that's raised nearly a half million dollars for people in need. What an incredible thing that is. Love that guy. Great guest. Was so happy to have him. Guys, if you haven't done it already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to this podcast. I don't care about five-star reviews or any of the other stuff. Just want you to subscribe. It's free. It's quick. It's easy. I'd like for you to do that. And if you could follow me on Twitter at Tweets, that'd be great. Enjoy the week. Hopefully the weather stays nice. Talk to you guys again on Thursday. We'll have another good show. Peace. <laughs>